Ladies and gentlemen. Are you ready? It's showtime, folks! Do I have everybody's attention now? We are the nation! Give me a hell yeah! Yes! What? Yes! What? Power in the enemy! Embrace the vision. We want the smoke! Everybody's got a price! For the benefit of those with flash photography. With a tear in my eye! The cream of the crop! Hey, yo! You just made the list! I am the man! Hello, everyone, and welcome to Wrestle Nation, pro wrestling talk for people who talk pro wrestling. This is the official podcast of NEW, talking about all the happenings in the newest pro wrestling organization in the Pacific Northwest, as well as breaking down the world of WWE, NXT, AEW, and more. Whether it's then, now, or new, we're here to break it down. My name is Jay Bowman, and I'm joined as always by Long Sai, award-winning journalist, Mr. Wyatt Arndt, the stanchion. Hey, you added a bit of flavor to that. I don't appreciate that. Just say it one more time cleanly, like a professional, that I think you are, that I think you can be, so prove me right. Oh, and I'm torn because I don't want to, I don't, I want to be professional, but I don't want to prove you right. We're joined by award-winning journalist, Mr. Wyatt Arndt, the stanchion. Yep. So again, I'm doing great. You forgot to ask that part, but I'm doing fine. I had a week off, but I, I was working on like you clowns. I am actually putting effort into this show. Uh, I did a lot of research. I got some interesting things to bring to the table for our special guests, but I'll let you talk to, I guess you can talk to Mike Paris. Mike, do you have a, a microphone that works this time? You've ruined a couple intros. Hey, hey, I'm working on it. I'm okay. working on it. Your $5 mic. It's working. All right, Bowman, send it to, to Paris. Listen, I didn't get to take a week off last week. I was here. I was here like I am every week, 16 for 16 episodes. Bowman taking a week off, taking a vacation, Wyatt taking a week off, winning some awards in Belgium or some shit. And thank I've you, been here you. putting the work in every single week. Just just throwing it out there. I, I want Jay, can you put that on record in, in the post? Thank you. Thank you. We are also here with the architect, the Iron Man, 16 thank for you. 16. Mr. Mike Paris doesn't miss a show. Uh, Paris, how are you doing? I am amazing, aside from my technical difficulties, but hopefully I don't sound like total garbage. It's all right. And we are also joined by a very, very special guest this week. Uh, he is going to be the special guest referee for the Elliot Tyler-Mr. Ferguson match, round one at NEW3. It is Corey Basso, the play-by-play voice of the Vancouver Whitecaps. Corey, how are you doing today? Gentlemen, I'm doing fantastic. Thank you for the extraordinary intro. Uh, Wyatt sounding a little bit saucy. Mike Paris sounds like he's been shot out of a cannon. And Mr. Bowman keeping it all together. I've heard so much about the podcast and the product, gentlemen. So I'm happy to be along for the ride here. 
you are going to be one of the focal points for one of the biggest, most anticipated first round matchups of NEW's chase for the championship tournament. I would say the first round matchup with the most story and the most history behind it in NEW. How did you come into that role? How were you tapped for this? Well, I'm uh, friends with some behind the scenes uh, front office gentlemen, let's just say uh, for NEW and a long time fan of wrestling. It's been a, a real pet project, project, a real passion for me, a real labor of love. So to finally get in the squared circle and yeah, I'm going to have to step in be- between two really ornery gentlemen. It's going to be a real pleasure. I know Mr. Ferguson, as they're now calling him, he's turned a little bit to the dark side. I remember the old Fergie who, he was like Barney, the Barney, the dinosaur meets Grimace meets house party. He was just a fantastic, uh, great guy. Good for the kids. But he's like I said, he's a little bit angrier now. And he's going up against Elliot Tyler, who let's face it. He, he needs a fair referee. He needs a fair referee for this contest, especially with the wise men always lurking around the entrance and, and in and around the ring. I'm talking about Baroni. I'm talking about suede. I'm talking about the golden boy. So I'll be tasked. And it's going to be a tough task with keeping everything fair, square and down the middle, just like the NEW higher ups want me to do it. Let's just let's just say here, Corey, that there is a quite a bit of beef in this match uh, between these two individuals. Uh, last time we saw them at NEW two, uh, people were going through tables. So, are you committed to to keeping this in the ring and and keeping this uh, above board? Of course, and that's one of my tasks, Mike. Is that they didn't bring me on board just to sit there and look pretty in a striped shirt, or perhaps if I get my way, a blue short sleeve collared shirt with a bow tie. Um, but yeah, it's not going to be an easy gig, but that's why they brought me in to get my hands dirty. We know Mr. Ferguson is, he's got a little bit of pepper in the soup these days. He's not happy with the way things have gone in his past. And he's looking to take that all the way. That being said, he's got a very angry Elliot Tyler in the corner opposite him who he turned his back on. That's a dastardly, dastardly thing to do. And as much as I've loved Fergie in the past, I got to call it up the middle. I got to call up the middle. I'm going to, I'm not going to be taking anything from Elliot Tyler either. He lets his emotions get the better of him. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, Take him to task as well. So anybody who steps on my feet, I'm going to be keeping it by the rule book, NEW style, and nobody's going to sway me. Okay. Uh, th- thanks, Corey. That's, that's great. We're, we're looking forward to seeing you. Uh, Wyatt, I know this is an audio medium, but uh, you look like something's something's bugging you. What's uh, what's going on? Do you have a question for our guest? Are you guys done with playtime? We're giving a little, little softballs to our guest here. This is, you know, well, are we, are we real yeah. journalists here? I know you guys aren't, but are we not going to like I, take this seriously or what? What do we? Well, I was going to ask him what got him into wrestling in the in the first place. Ooh, but, uh, Bret have... Hart, blah blah blah. Okay, cool. I've heard eight thousand times. So congrats, Bret Hart. Hart. Yeah, Bret great. Hart we all see a Bret Hart. Congrats, we're all Canadians. Awesome. We want to throw a curveball? Oh, say Owen Hart. Cool. The Hart family. I get it. Here's the thing. Okay, Keith. Keith. No one says Keith. Don't get weird. So here's all the right. thing. So here's the thing. Okay, like. What, what's the one thing I hate most, Bowman? You know me pretty well. What's the one thing I hate more than anything? Cantaloupe, strangely. Uh, and you throw down for melon, which is weird, because cantaloupe is far superior. You know what? That's, that's accurate. But okay, here's the thing. The thing I do not like, I do not like people that are not objective, that people are biased. I hate that more than anything. You know I can't Wait, stand that. You yeah, hate exactly. that. Right? You get it. You, I see it in your eyes. You get it. I hate people who have a bias and then like don't do things fairly. Something about this Cody Barton guy stunk to high heaven. So I did some research, okay? Here's the thing. I looked into this guy. Corey, it's Corey. Corey, Corey Basso. Corey Barton. Corey Barton. So I look at a, I look at a, I look at Cole. Is that Hawkeye? No, this is Corey Basso. Is That's it? actually Clint Barton, but there was Bishop. Kate Bishop was his protege. Sorry, yes, right. go on. Yes, yeah. Okay, we'll so all fine. find out. Okay, soon. okay. So Clint here, speaking of Bishop, look, I did some research, okay? 
this is a guy that comes in here. He's going to call it fair. I'm going to call it down the middle. I'm the voice of the white caps. Look at me go. I helped get the white caps into the playoffs. Like you hear it all the time from this kid. Okay. I'm just, his ego's out of control. So here's the thing. I go on Twitter. I do a little research. And I found some tweets that are a bit troubling. So if you want to take a journey with me and if, if, if Corey, if that's his name, could answer some of these questions. I got one here from 2011. Uh, it says, hey, Bish, thanks for the batteries. Don't know what that's about. Uh, you're not such a bad guy after all. Baroni's still going to get your strap. So that's his one tweet. Sure. On its own, right? This is one tweet. He's talking about Baroni. Cool. I get it. So not that troubling. Maybe. Uh, but here's another one. Uh, think of a new costume for East, oh, for old organization doesn't matter anymore. Uh, last year, when is Tony Baroni? This year, thinking maybe someone else. So again, that's two Tony Baronis. All right. Here's the third one where it gets twice. Sure. We've all had some fun tweets. We've all had a couple of drinks. He looks like a guy who likes to drink. He's had some pops. Pete Powers in your dreams powers. Not only is he shooting on Pete Powers, a magnificent man. He then says Baroni owns. And then here, sorry. Oh, that's O O O O O O O O exclamation mark three times. Uh, Corey, uh, it seems like you're a little close with Tony Baroni. He was a wise man who happens to be pretty close to Mr. Ferguson. That seems odd, don't you think? You've done some really oh. good research, Wyatt. That's well done, sir. But the key word there is I was friends with Tony Baroni. He's a different man now. Of course, you're going back almost 10 years, man. People can change in 10 years. I remember going back to the, the old promotions barn in Surrey, Bridgeview Hall, and he was part of a group called Eagles and Icons, and he was a man to be respected. He was a man on the, the uphill climb. He was just waiting to be discovered here in the Pacific Northwest. And he was a guy you could really saddle your, your buggy to. Now let's look 10 years into the future, 2021. He's the sleazy uncle daddy. Nobody wants to be part of that. That's not something you can bring your kids around. That's not something you can bring the wife and grandmother and mother-in-law around. He's, he's changed, man. And as much as I really did enjoy Baroni as a talent, he's taken a real downward spiral. And now he's paired himself with the likes of Billy Suede, who himself used to be a great talent. And the golden boy, now Mr. Fergie, it's almost like the land of misfit toys here. And they've all kind of cobbled together to, to, to take down all the good guys in the new promotion, NEW. And that's why I've been brought in, because I'm not one of these refs who's going to stand by the wayside and fall for the wise men's tricks. And yeah, you're right. I was a, a, I was a crony with Baroni back in the day. No pun intended. But things have changed over 10 years. And I'm here to call it right up the middle, just like the promotion wants me to. Wow, that's a very refreshing uh, attitude like you didn't run from any of that at all uh Wyatt I, I, that's that's good enough for me as far as I'm concerned uh Paris is nodding uh Wyatt you know let's he, he owned up to it I love it I mean yeah you guys set a low bar in life so anything impresses you too so let's actually take it to the next level then okay so so yeah I heard you know what it's my time to shine you shut your mouth so here's the thing okay you're oh, a baroni what? guy you're like, a Brody guy. This isn't right? about me. Like this you... about, no, hey, this isn't about me right now, is it? I did a lot of deep cover investigations into Baroni, which I was very upfront about. I didn't get applauded from Mr. Bowman. Why? I, I was upfront about that. No. Yeah, you were out get... drinking with them. That's the after, undercover. After NEW. Have you watched Donnie Brasco? Have you watched a movie in your life and learned how things work? Watch Richard Jewell. Watch yeah. Donnie Brasco. Learn how <laughs> oh, life is works. The, is that the one with the bike messenger who doesn't have any brakes and he's. That is or... Premium Rush, which is from another sorry. podcast. It is fantastic. Sorry. sorry. Not right now. Okay. You know what, Paris? Good, you, good I'm, I'm, I'm meeting Paris. Here's the thing. Uh, yes. Clint, Corey, not you, Paris. Co Sorry. Co Corey. Sure. You dress up as Brony, tap out Brony. I get it. We all love tap out Brony era. Who didn't love tap out back then? I'm sure, you know, it was, you had bedazzled shirts. It was fun. I did a bit more research. Okay. So I did a little bit deeper. We've talked about it in the show. Remember how people like to throw up the little W, little W for, for the little wise men? 
I thought it was a three for the three you wise did, men, right? but yeah, it's a W. It's a three. It could be both yeah. things. Yeah. Right. So it's weird that 10 years ago, Tackle Brony was, you know, his guy. And now it's weird that I find this picture with what looks to be, unless Corey's got, hey, Corey's got a twin, my bad. I didn't research that much. But if it is indeed Corey, uh, he's sitting there with Brony and they're throwing up the dubs. So again, this is the wise men who always have a plan. And out of nowhere, Corey's assigned as a special guest referee. And there's no other referees in this tournament. Who do we know that likes to have plans? The wise men. So I find it really weird that Corey's like, I'm called down the middle. How is he not just a, a plant by the wise men? Just, be, just own up to it, Corey. I don't have anything to own up to. Why? And like I said, I, I loved attending these shows. And yes, I've taken pictures with Baroni, but that's not outright promotion. I've seen on some of your guys' Twitter accounts, you retweet things. That's not a direct promotion. We know this. Sometimes you're just using something as a springboard. I was using Baroni as a, as a means to get to where I needed to be. And that was behind the scenes. That was talking to the higher-ups. That was rubbing elbows. That was getting to be in this special guest referee position. But that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm a wise man. And yes, I know you're in the same boat as the wise man yourself. But like I said, I've been brought in for one reason and one reason only. Baroni is not the name on the paycheck. NEW is the name on the paycheck that is signing Corey Basso's signature at the end of NEW coming up here on November 27th here. So I only intend to serve one master. And that is not Tony Baroni. That is not Mr. Ferguson. That is not the wise man. If Corey Basso officiates half as well as he gives very clear explanations to things, he's going to do a hell of a job on the 27th of November. I'm again, I'm so that's good enough for me, Mike Paris. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm feeling it. Like everything that Corey says makes sense. He's got, he's got answers for all your questions. I'm, I'm actually worried now if, if he, maybe he's biased in, in, in Elliot Tyler's way, because he seems to have really shifted his perspectives on, on, on the Wiseman and, and Baroni here. So, so maybe this is going to be down the middle. I don't, I don't know. It's hard to say. Corey, what do you, what do you got to say? And I know so much in wrestling guys, especially for being on the fan side of things. Sometimes we're always looking for subliminal meetings or hitting messages or, or anything like that. And I know it all sounds like very convenient answers from me, but I'm telling you from the bottom of my heart, they're the truth. I, and I'm pro doing a good job, giving something that the NEW fans can really respect because lest we forget, this is a grudge match, but this is a part of a major tournament and I'm not going to be a part of any slippery asterisks on any Wikipedia pages after the fact here. And that's, that's pretty much what I'm all about. He's pro voice of the fans, Wyatt. How can you hate this guy? He's lovely. I feel like you two clowns watch M. Night Shyamalan movies and are fucking blown away by the endings. Like you just never see it coming and you're like, whoa, what the hell? And so I just, it turns out it wasn't old times after all. Uh, it was just a little nature preserve. Yeah. And yeah, the blind girl one. went to go yeah. get the medicine. Yeah. Yeah. You saw that coming, did you? You know, the water I'm, kept the aliens away. The, was that the was water. awesome when it did that. That was great when it did that. Wyatt, you're, that. you're bringing up bad examples here, man. It's, it's clear that they hired us for certain demographics and you guys hit that low bar. You hit the Surrey demo. So I'm glad we have you on the show for that. But, uh, Wow. Bitch, he was dead the whole time. The yeah. whole time. I know no Surrey one... has tall buildings now. I've Why heard, I've heard. What? They've got tall buildings. And um, you know what? You know what? I I will give Corey credit. He's a good liar. And if he can officiate as good as he can lie, then you know he's gonna serve the wise men real well. And uh, I look forward to apologies from both of you. And uh again, I'm just I did my due diligence, but you guys, if you have any more fluff questions about it, like, what's your favorite shirt? I don't know. What are we asking him now? Do you have favorite shoes you like to wear? Do you like rain? I don't know. What are we asking him now? I was going to ask him what his favorite thing about Christmas was. 
Cheating. I was going to ask him what his favorite M. Night Shyamalan movie was. The one that fixes Corey, badges. two quick questions at the end of the interview. Favorite thing about Christmas and your favorite M. Night Shyamalan film? Oh, God. Favorite thing about Christmas is Jingle All the Way. Uh, uh, M. Night Shyamalan. I don't think I can actually name any of his movies off the top of my head. So I'll go with the Hitchcock movie. I really like Vertigo. There you go. Mm. There you go. Great, great mm. film. Yeah. Great. Yeah, Vertigo. Twist. You get slapped around beautiful. and things happen or you don't expect it to. That's crazy. Oh, that one's his favorite movie. Weird. Weird. Corey Basso at CD Basso on Twitter. Give him a follow. We cannot wait to see you in the ring with the stripes on, calling it right down the middle, right up the middle, left and right in the middle. This guy's going to be right pinpoint in the middle. It's going to be great. Gentlemen, thank you so much for having you, Mr. Bowman, Mr. Paris, and Mr. Wyatt Arndt. I look forward to proving you wrong, sir. N.E.W., November 27th. Let's go. Oh, my God! Come on! All right, we are fast approaching N.E.W. 3 at the Studio Nightclub on Granville Street. The Saturday, November 27th show is sold out. I'm not going to bother with a trivia question about the WCW pay-per-view in January that ran for a couple of years because that died a death last time I did that. So uh, (laughs) there are still a few tickets available for Thursday, December 2nd, which will be the finals of the Chase for the Championship tournament. You don't want to miss it. But there's some other huge, huge news in NEW that dropped this past week. We're not even through NEW3 yet. This show, this company is still two shows down and the announcement came in for NEW4 in uh, some familiar territory. Is it not, Wyatt? Commodore Ballroom. Uh, you know what? You know what I love about NEW is the fact that they do any venue. They're gonna, you never know where they're going to go. They're going to find different venues, hit lots of different places, which is just you never know what's going to happen. It's awesome. But if there's one venue you want to conquer to plant your flag, it's the goddamn Commodore. That's one of the best venues for anything, music, wrestling, whatever you want. It is such a fantastic venue. One of the best places you can hold wrestling. I cannot wait to see NEW's first show at the Ballroom Brawl or Commodore Ballroom. Uh, yeah, it, it is exactly that. It is one of the best venues in Vancouver for anything. And uh, having seen wrestling there in the past, we know that it can look great. We know that it can look uh, to the extreme. It can look extravagant. It can be everything that a wrestling show can be. It can be loud uh, <laughs> for starters. And that room, when that room gets loud, it shakes literally, which adds a whole nother element. And I know a lot of these performers have performed there before, and I'm sure they're excited to go back and that's a guaranteed sellout. And it's going to be a hell of an environment to see a wrestling show. See, it's been great. Cause the last, you know, the first few shows for NEW, you're like, Oh cool. The Richmond gaming stadium. I wonder how they're going to convert that for the show. And okay, great. The Vancouver convention center. How are they going to do that for the show? Now we've got the studio nightclub coming up for the next two nights of NEW action. And then the one thing, which isn't a question mark at all is how wrestling is presented at the Commodore ballroom. Some of the best shows I've seen in this city and some of the biggest talents have come through the Commodore ballroom. Why do you, recall any special talents you remember seeing at the commodore pro wrestling it's kind of like what paris said how you you can feel the action and i remember like for me it was always you know el fantasma was the guy that really you took me bowman to my first show there yep. and just just his entrance music was very edm heavy and just feeling the bass hit me in the face you could feel it hit you in the fucking face and he came out like he looks cool as shit and he's got the music pumping and stuff and 
you know, again, if there's any, you know, if any younger wrestlers are listening right now, if you want to pick entrance music, make something that like lands heavy at the Commodore Ballroom. Like, don't go soft in this fucking place. Go hard because it hits, and that's what you want people to feel. And even just thinking of Ravenous Randy's entrances, how he made that a huge thing, and uh, just seeing some of you know people wanting to make it a big show. I remember Nicole Matthews and her long history of ladders getting the shit kicked out of her. Shannon Baszler almost killing Nicole Matthews on a ladder. Uh, Nicole Matthews jumping off of balconies. Uh, and the, you know, a lot of memories of Nicole Matthews getting the shit kicked out of her, but also kicked the shit out of the people. Uh, uh, it was fun. Uh, you know, she once hit a guy in the front row with a jelly bean in the eye, and that was a delightful memory. So she, she if she's on the card, she's going to hurt people, and I, I can't wait to see it. So yeah, it's uh, a lot of good memories there. And again, when you go to that uh, ballroom brawl, we were in Shannon Baszler's crew, you and me, Bowman. We have history there. Like we've had a lot of fun. It's just, it's nothing like it. Yeah. Uh, the jelly bean to the eye wasn't fun for everybody. Uh, <laughs> one I still man. can't look, I still can't look entirely left, but that's fine. You know, you know, you, you get sometimes you jelly happen. beans have a, have a, a shaky past. It's a, it's a story history with yeah. me and, uh, and, and jelly gelatin beans for sure. Uh, now it's not just wrestling that's going to be happening on January 15th at the Commodore uh, hip hop icons. The Rascals are going to be performing at the wrestling show. Holy shit. That's incredible. I'm I'm as excited for that as I am for the wrestling. Yeah, like I saw the announcement for the Commodore. And of course, I was pumped uh, just with that knowledge that we were going to see wrestling back at the Commodore Ballroom once again. But then to have an added level of, like you say, these are these are hip hop icons uh, that are going to be performing like a, in a intermission uh, segment, which is going to be amazing. It's got to be amazing. And, uh, you know, the, at wrestling shows, any wrestling show from WWE all the way down, um, you that that intermission time can be a bit of a doldrum and it kind of is hard to keep people's attention sometimes. But the Rascals are going to bring it and they're going to keep everyone drinking, happy, having a good time. Uh, all throughout the whole night at the Commodore. And, and like, you always get excited, like wondering who might they bring in as a big time wrestler? Who can they bring in all these times? Now that they have musical acts. Now I'm thinking one day are we getting swollen members. Are we getting some 41 <gasps> one day? Like let the, the list is endless. So I'm excited to see what NEW has got in store. <laughs> Fuel injected deserves to be played at Commodore <laughs> during a wrestling show. Nicole Matthews coming out to Lady Venom. Come on. Oh, that's, shit. That's oh meant to be. yes. It's meant to be. <laughs> Throwing jelly beans in people's eyes to the sweet tunes of swollen members. Yeah, I mean, that's just another level above, like, where the shows have been so far. I mean, it is keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And again, you don't want to miss the shows on the 27th or the 2nd. And then looking ahead, uh, obviously, keep your eye on NationExtremeWrestling.com for the ticket on sale announcement. But I'm telling you right now, circle Saturday, January 15th, 2022, on your calendars, block that off, save the date for NEW4. It is going to be absolutely unreal. Yeah, you're right. You wonder what wrestlers are going to be there in addition to the great musical act. Yeah, and then beyond that, NEW5, 6, 7, all the way up to, what are we going to do? Probably 150 of these, I think. Give or take. Yeah, give or take. Give or take. Until, yeah, in that, in that at area. least until they land Franz Ferdinand. Until then. Oh my God. Yes. Yes. Why the heck not? Um, yeah. So, and thanks again to uh, Corey Basso for joining us. He's going to be the special right. guest referee. Uh, <laughs> NEW3. And uh, yeah, anything else NEW wise you guys wanted to mention or get into? Well, I just wanted to throw it out there that, you know, the first thing when we've previously had shows at the Commodore Ballroom, uh, the first thing that has crossed my mind is 
who is that big talent that they're going to bring in. And honestly, that w- hasn't even crossed my mind until we brought it up just right now, because I feel really, really confident in the roster that NEW is building. And I'm excited to see those guys. So whoever they bring in to elevate the talent that's already there, I'm going to be happy to see, but that isn't going to be the, the big draw for me. Cause I'm super excited about the roster that already exists. Yeah, because you look at the people that have been brought in already for the NEW shows. Speedball Mike Bailey, Veda Scott, the return of the Bollywood Boys, El Phantasmo, and then Impact Champion. He never lost the belt as far as I'm concerned. Josh Alexander. So there have already been some really, really major stars that have come through here. So yeah, it's going to be awesome. Saturday, January 15th, 2022. Save the date. Gentlemen, you want to talk a little bit of the wide world of wrestling? There's a lot to talk about. Okay, so uh, this past Saturday night, November the 13th, a little little bit of a wrestling show happened. One of AEW's handful of pay-per-view events throughout the year, Full Gear, went down in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Uh, We'll probably spend the lion's share of this segment talking about Full Gear uh, because it was an amazing show. Uh, Initial thoughts, Wyatt? Uh. I'm going to be the one guy that like, I didn't love, love, love it. I thought it was great, but like there are definitely parts of it that I thought like they could be better, which is good. Like, I think I just expect the world from them. And it's like, my complaints are still, it's still like a four star, 4.5 star show, but not that like, I'm not in that mode of like, it was all perfect. No, there are definitely things that kind of irked me a little bit. I think from a uh, storytelling standpoint, this has been one of their best shows from a wrestling standpoint, maybe doesn't live up. Uh, every match didn't deliver on the on the same level that their some of their matches have in the past. Um, but from a storytelling standpoint, I, I think, especially considering how long term some of this storytelling has been, and then in the case of Eddie Kingston and CM Punk, how long term it feels, uh, this was this was a great show in that regard. All right, so Wyatt, are you wanting me to apologize for hyping you up about this show because I was very positive on pretty much the whole thing, like front to back uh yeah some things worked better than others sure but there wasn't a single match <clears throat> that i wasn't into or invested in or enjoyed watching liar chris jericho's match don't don't even try tell me that was if <laughs> i'm I sorry Peter is not when belonging santana, to <laughs> when santana and ortiz have the combo submission on uh the two members of american top team uh, and then Sammy Guevara comes in and throws a football at the chest of the dude who's exposing the submission hold. You didn't love that? I didn't save the match. Uh, Junior DeSantos seeing Jericho yell, Junior! 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's not much you can do. Anyways, I, yeah, it wasn't my favorite match by far. <laughs> it wasn't my favorite match of the night uh, either. Thoughts on the Minneapolis street fight while we're talking about that first? I guess we'll go well, from worst to best. When, yeah. when you and I did our, our preview of, of the show, I was like, I, I don't know who any of these people are. So already off the bat, I don't give a shit. Like I'm not a UFC <laughs> MMA guy, so I already don't give a shit. Um, and then <laughs> to have the lackluster performance of uh, 50% of the people in the ring was uh, <laughs> a bit generous. of a sham. That's a bit and generous. <laughs> generous, not 50% <laughs> a generous number. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. So no, I wasn't. Uh, that was that was my uh, you know uh, go go take a poop break uh, match. Which again, it served its purpose if it was to be that, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> uh, Is that what okay. they're going for? 
Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Wyatt, let's keep going up from the bottom then. What match do you have as the one that you enjoyed the second least, I guess, from the show? I need a list of matches in front of me. Um, like what what the fuck is I all right? So we had yeah. uh so inner circle versus uh American top team and stuff. That's your that's your bottom, that's yeah. That's my bottom, yeah. I, I let, me say, just... let me say overall, I felt like and that's somebody said as well, like I don't think the peer review gave people enough time to breathe. It felt very like trying to impress people too much and well, i'll get into that more with the latches later but paris you have something to say as always well i was it. just gonna say that it literally felt that way sometimes like the commentators felt rushed at a lot yes. of moments it was like oh okay this is happening right now we don't even have time to debrief what yeah. just happened because uh cody rhodes is already on his way to the ring like it, i don't i don't know if they felt tight for time or if they felt like things were gonna run long or or maybe matches had already run long but literally it felt like they were going match to match to match without giving us time to breathe uh but yeah, we just the sh- just pick the match next after that just to cut you off but like, pick a match and we'll talk about it i don't want to rank well just we'll, just, we'll go down the card in yeah. order of how yeah. it went Sounds so good. mjf the opener against darby allen beats him by uh beats him by pinfall via headlock takeover devastating headlock takeover from mjf he called his shot what yeah, I will say I agree with Paris in that like the storylines all made sense. And that's kind of nice because we always said about WDB that like at least make A to B to C make sense. That's all we ask. So I do like like where they're going. Don't get me wrong. This match was my favorite match of the night. I just loved the storytelling. I loved the wrestling. I loved everything. But I love the fact that this guy said you're weak to fucking side headlock takedowns, which is the dumbest thing ever. But then he fucking knocks him out and makes it a thing. Like That is such a good heel move. Darby Allen, a good man. I was watching this, and again, everything kind of relates back to John Dean Ambrose Moxley and what he does wrong. And I don't mean to do that, but <laughs> when he dives out of the ring, it's like a feather coming out. When Darby Allen does it, he's a fucking rocket. And again, I worry about his career, but when he did that, like when MGF was calling that guy fat in the ring, he loved it. And he got hit from Darby Allen. That was one of the most visceral dives through the ropes I've seen. Like he just goes all out. I, the fucking the rolling pins in the ring, like everything about this match, like I was fucking hyped and I loved it. It's those guys who go under the uh, in between the bottom rope and the middle rope for that uh, for that plancha because Leo Rush does the same thing yeah. where he goes. I think Jungle Boy maybe does it as well where they go on that lower angle and like a friggin' torpedo. Paris, your thoughts on MGF and Darby Allen? Yeah, the storytelling was all there. Um, just the like the mental breakdown elements of it of MGF just trying to consistently get under Darby Allen's skin just to get him to break. He you know tosses him the skateboard and forces him to you know consider using it and all that kind of stuff. It it made sense. And honestly, I think what the real payoff with of this match was was establishing these two guys as stars. Like these are their next two guys that they have been able to pick up from the ground up. And, you know, we can continue, can continue to criticize WWE for not being able to generate those stars and put them in the right positions to make them stars. And certainly MJF is, is a, if he isn't already, one of the best heels in the business and one of the best people on the mic in the business. So he's going to continue to do that for a very long time. Well, yeah, because part of the narrative tissue of this match was the fact that these are two of, I believe, what MJF has referred to as the four pillars, or as Jim Ross would say, the four pillows of (laughs) AEW, uh, which is the young homegrown talent, Jungle Boy, Darby Allin, Sammy Guevara, and MJF. So the fact that that factored into the match as well is some really good long-term and, you know, historical storytelling, which... We're just not used to getting. This still feels so new and fresh and exciting that they're actually doing this to pay off some things. And there's narrative things throughout this entire show that I feel really, yeah, elevated. Let's talk about the uh, the tag match, the Lucha Brothers versus FTR. Now, when we spoke about this last week, this was one 
that I was probably the most curious about and maybe the most interested to see just because it is such a big contrast of styles. Uh, Stanch, your thoughts? Yeah, I'm, I'm not the biggest. I'm probably the least tag team guy of all three of us unless it's a state of emergency. Uh, so I wasn't like loving the match. Uh, but again, it was good. Probably good. Uh, I, 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 yeah, uh, the ending was kind of meh for me. Um, but overall, for a tag match, you know, I enjoyed it. And I, I can't say there's anything that was done wrong at all. But again, I'm not the biggest tag match guy in the world. Yeah, I, I was kind of middle about this match. I thought it was good. I thought it was, it, it, they hit a lot of fun spots and it made a lot of sense. But I always, it brought to mind a question that maybe I have for you guys, which is uh, what's better, having totally juxtaposed styles in a match or having matching styles in a match? Because when we think about FTR and the Lucha Brothers having pretty juxtaposed styles in regards to how they wrestle in a tag team match, sometimes that can really work and sometimes it doesn't. And sometimes I'm wishing that there was another kind of high-flying Young Bucks team. Because I love Young Bucks and Lucha Brothers. Like, they, they can work magic together. So seeing FTR on the other side of that, it was it was interesting, but it wasn't as as hot as I wanted it to be. I like primarily seeing matching styles uh, and just some some great tag matches over the years, like Motor City Machine Guns, one of my favorite teams, American Wolves, uh, American Alpha, DIY, Red Dragon, like uh, Young Bucks, Lucha Brothers, when they have like uh, not contrasting styles. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot and I prefer that. But that's kind of why I was looking forward to this because you don't often see them book away from that and go with, you know, uh, a team like FTR versus a high flying team like Lucha Brothers. Yeah, well, so, well, yeah, to, to contradict what I've just said, uh, FTR and Young Bucks having incredible matches in the past. So it certainly can be done, but it, it this match didn't necessarily have, have the heat for me. All right, then uh, next we had the finals of the uh, World Title Eliminator Tournament. Brian Danielson uh, defeating Miro. Man, Miro's looking like a million bucks. He is long removed from his time that he spent when he first showed up as the best man to Kip Sabian. What the hell was that? Now he's this absolute world beater. Yeah, sure, he came up short against Brian Danielson, but I don't think this loss harms Miro at all. Why would you think of this match? This is interesting. Uh, one, it, it brought, you know, to my, I think the overall show, every match felt like a two, three minutes long. Uh, and this was another one where I'm watching it. And I know Dan and Brian can make anyone good. And so I'm kind of putting the heat on Miro. I don't think it was, I, I felt like they were trying to almost rehash Lesnar Brian in that sense of he's fighting a beast. And, and Brian did his best to sell Miro as a beast, but I don't think he pulled it off. And I love Miro, but it, did, it didn't land with me. And I, I maybe I'm in the, in the minority, but like I just didn't feel that Miro was this big beast that was just, you know, beating the shit out of Daniel Bryan. And like the kicks, that part was good. When he landed those kicks, that, yeah. that I'll give him credit. That was dope. They were kicking the shit out of each other. But other than Takes that. Takes three and gives one and just yeah. collapses them. That was good stuff. That was good as well. But like overall the match, it was like, it felt, it didn't feel like a pay-per-view match. I mean, not everyone, not every match is going to be a banger. I think what for me was surprising of that was it was a Daniel, Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson match where I was like, oh, okay. Like that was perfectly fine, which he sets the highest bar. I can't say every time it's Dan and Brian is the best match ever. But like, for me, I was a bit surprised that like they didn't give me what I thought I was going to get. Yeah. I, I would probably agree with what Wyatt's saying here. I think everyone involved Miro Danielson, AEW, whoever their agent was to book the match, what have you uh, put their best damn effort into making Miro look like an absolute beast in this match. And I'm not sure it paid off. It definitely worked to an extent, but did it push Miro to the next level? And will it continue to have him ride an upward trajectory uh, on this roster? I'm, I'm not quite sure. 
not for me anyway. I don't see it for me. All right, the next match we had uh, Christian Cage and Jurassic Express, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus uh, beating the Super Click, Adam Cole and the Young Bucks uh, in a big old Falls Count Anywhere match. Uh, Wyatt, what do you think about this one? I hate like Saturday like I'm gonna be Jim Cornette, but man, Young Bucks are just not my thing. I don't know. I just can't like everything is just so like spam finisher 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 i know like wink wink super kick party like there's a lot of two like oh now we've got knee pads with nails on them like it feels like when you're in high school and you're writing your first play or something and you just fucking put everything in there and you've got no subtlety it's just like fucking everything blah 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 and it's like it's just so much and i feel like on a pay-per-view when you got so many different matches they used up so many fucking big spots they did so much to get the crowd kind of like ooing and awing over everything which again i know is their style but i'm watching it and i was just like it just it did it was, i don't know i didn't i didn't I walked away saying to myself, Adam Cole should be a fucking champion one day because he's a fucking star and he is, but I don't really care to see Young Bucks in like these three man matches that much. I just, I don't know. I don't, and we talk about elevating people. Did Jungle Boy come out looking great in that? Like he had some good spots, but like it still felt like the Young Bucks show. It did feel like odd booking to have this on the same card as the Minneapolis street fight mm-hmm. or whatever it is. It seemed yeah. like a very similar styled match um you know kind of just but uh, with a lot of big spots i think if anyone actually came out looking good here it was luchasaurus i love luchasaurus i've always so been much. a fan but he, i know but he actually i feel like came out looking surprising people he came out surprising people with the spots that he could hit and how he could keep up with uh a bunch of guys that are half his size um he made he made himself look good in a lot of these spots and and made the match better um I think they wanted Jungle Boy to come out as the real star here, and I'm not sure they pulled that off in the right way. I liked the match; I thought it was fun. I I'm I'm here for the big spots, though, and I'm here for the the knee pads and the the uh, face kissing spot and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, that's with Adam cool. Cole. Anything with Adam Cole, I'm gonna Adam Cole's a <laughs> fucking star. I fucking love Adam Cole. That guy, that fucking baby, is the loudest fucking thing in, in wrestling right now. It's just oh it's- my god. And the second loudest thing is the boom. Yeah. When he's on the ring apron. Dude, this guy is amazing. <laughs> when they went, when he went to the classic, uh, <clears throat> the uh, the thumbtacks in the mouth bit, because he did that, I think it was Kyle O'Reilly in Ring of Honor, uh, or uh, maybe Jay Briscoe, where he put the thumbtacks in the mouth and then super kicked them. Uh, and the thumbtacks just went everywhere. I thought that was really awesome. I mean, they just did it for the camel clutch for this one. But uh, no, I thought it was great. I love the uh, the knee pads with the, uh, the thumbtacks on them. That's silly as hell, but I think it was awesome. Uh, the next match, uh, I'm going to call it a mixed tag because no one's really a team. Uh, Cody Rhodes and the Bastard Pack versus Malachi Black and Andrade El Idolo. Wyatt, I'm just going to ask you, coming out of this match, did any of these guys do anything for you? This kind of felt like it got lost in the pay-per-view for me. Like, it just kind of it existed. Like, when I think back to this pay-per-view years from now, I'm probably going to forget this match happened. And again, they're all talented wrestlers. They're all workers, and that's great, but like, I just, I just, I don't know. I don't know. Again, that comes on the heels of watching fucking spot or spot or spot. So maybe I needed to fucking take a smoke and take a rest. But like, I just couldn't really, I, I don't know. It just, that match happened. I was like, all right, sounds good. Cause it was kind of cobbled together uh, in the, in the very, very short build for this, but everything, if you squint does kind of make sense. Pack has issues with Andrade, uh, Cody Rhodes, Malachi Black. Uh, you could say there's a connective tissue of, oh, Andrade's old valet is uh, Malachi Black's wife in real life. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Mash it together. And then Cody Rhodes just getting fucking booed out of the building. I think Tony Khan recently compared him. He's like, yeah, AEW's John Cena, mm-hmm. where he's a baby face 
ways and people just don't like them for whatever reason. They just won't accept them. Uh, Paris, two questions. Your thoughts on yes. the match and how much do you love that they are leaning into this Arn Anderson Glock gimmick? <laughs> <laughs> you know I love it. You know I love it. Uh, I just, I think it's funny that like of all people on the roster that they don't seem to know what to do with, Cody Rhodes seems yeah. to be the guy that they don't know what to do with. Creative's got nothing for you, Cody. <laughs> Sorry. Like, and it's, not for lack of trying but yeah that he they don't know what to do with him from a crowd standpoint i'm sorry he's not he's not john cena because he's not getting the pops that john cena was getting in certain arenas and getting booed in other ones like john cena was he's just people are turning on him because he's gone the mainstream which i guess is the comparison to john cena he's got the reality shows and the game shows and the everything else that uh, the world seems to want Cody Rhodes everyone except for the wrestling world um, but uh, like he's a good wrestler and there's nothing wrong with him but it's just the the crowd has turned which I think puts them in an awkward situation and that was certainly the case it was totally a distraction from this match that none of the plot lines mattered because they, they they were booing him out of the building and it just seemed to kind of overpower anything any other story they were trying to tell I've always thought Cody Rhodes, you know, I've been a Cody Rhodes fan for a long time. I've always thought Cody Rhodes is an excellent sports entertainer, but not necessarily that good of a professional wrestler. I know he throws a lot of character into uh, his matches. And I remember when he had a completely different move set as Stardust, then he had his dashing Cody Rhodes and undashing all that sort of stuff. So I've always liked him more of a sports entertainer than a wrestler. That's kind of like the, you know, the funny tagline for him is like, he's perfectly fine. And that's not always going to sell with fans. Like, yeah, he's yeah. perfectly fine. Yeah, but fine. It's like, sorry, perfectly tat- fine. It's got to go, but yeah, he's yeah fine. it's perfectly fine. But on AW, all things, like you said, when they're doing so much uh, on all the high, high levels, like he does kind of stand out as some like, you know, maybe he goes back to, to his roots and comes out as moon dust. Who knows? Maybe he goes back and leads into some sports entertaining roles, but there's just something about him where like, he just hasn't like, yeah. End of the day. That's the thing I would rather, you know what? He's perfectly fine. But there's just so many better people right now than than what he's doing. The adequate nightmare. <laughs> that dream you had about work. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he is. He is the American dream you had about work. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just like you'd think he would have the foresight to take a step back and just let other people shine. He's got other shit going on. Then let 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 that pay your bills and let AEW pay your bills, even though you're not on television, because you're still obviously a great promoter and a great agent and a great booker and AEW booking, generally speaking, presuming he has a big chunk to do with it has been amazing for their entire span. And we we've talked about how the storylines have been great and all this. I'm sure we'll talk about a big time coming up this long-term storyline paying off. And, and so just take a step back and let new guys be, be good. And give that spot on the card to someone else. And I don't see any harm in that, but I'm not Cody Rhodes. Yeah, I feel the most perplexing uh, scenario coming out of this pay-per-view for anybody is, to Paris's point, what do you do with Cody Rhodes now? Seems like the Malachi Black thing should probably be kind of over and done with. And you're looking up and down the roster and it's like, there's nobody I'm really excited to see Cody Rhodes work with. We'll, uh, we'll move on to the uh, women's championship match. Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, uh, beating uh, Tay Conti. Uh, thoughts on this one? Yeah, it's another Britt Baker win. And that's what I'm kind of looking for. I'm waiting for her to get, you know, more competition. So again, it's... That was one of the more obvious results, and it was what it is. But like, 
again, I wasn't too stoked, but it made sense and it was fine. And I just, you know, I keep waiting for someone to kind of elevate uh, and have a really, you know, great match with Britt. Yeah, yeah. Jade Cargill is going to get there. You just need to <laughs> just be patient and that big showdown is coming. Hit Lip Biscuit my way. It's going to be great. Paris. I, I like Tecanti, uh, and I think that this was probably her best match that she's maybe ever had. Uh, commentary taking a jab at WWE there when they were like, oh, she has four years of experience. And someone else says, well, she doesn't really have four years of experience since two of those years were sat in the back training while everyone else wrestled or something to that extent. Because WWE definitely wasted her and definitely held her back. I, I have one concern with her, which is she always seems like she's just having a really great time. And you know what I mean? She doesn't seem to be really taking things seriously sometimes. And even uh, when she was coming down to the ring, it was kind of alternating with like, oh, I'm so angry. I'm ready to have a fight. And then like, oh, hey, everybody, I'm, I'm having a great time. And I just don't think she has formulated a character in the right way. Um, but as, in regards to in-ring talent, she she was a was a formidable competitor for Britt Baker. Or has she formulated a character? Is she a little uh, Jekyll and Hyde? Oh, she's really, really angry. She's like, hey, just happy to see everybody. I'm from Brazil. Hooray. Uh, yeah, I thought the, the promo package for this did a really good job of making it feel like maybe she could win this match, even though if we all were honest with ourselves, there's no way they're ending the Britt Baker uh, championship reign at this point because she's one of the tops on the roster going for sure. It feels like she's still got some of that WWE in her. Just happy to be here. You're like Vince is in her ear. Yep. You're just happy to be here. Having a good time. <laughs> Great to be here on Velocity or Main Event or Jacked or what are we doing here? Yeah. Uh, the next match. Oh, sorry. Yeah, Paris. Yeah. No, sorry. I was just going to say that I feel like her allegiance with Anna Jay just it, it makes that even worse for both of them because I yeah. feel like it clouds both their characters as single competitors. If you want to have them run as happy-go-lucky pretty girls who are in a tag team i'm i'm here for that but when they kind of have their own independent characters and then they and then anna jay's with dark order which is a different character and then she's with tay conti which is a different character like it all seems very kind of blurred lines and i'm not sure that uh, they have been able to clarify themselves uh as wrestlers right now right. either 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 of those ladies Next on the list, something that maybe had the best short-term build of anything on the show, uh, CM Punk uh, beating Eddie Kingston. Uh, a little bit of blood in this match. Uh, what would you think about this one, Wyatt? Uh, like I, I, you know, I haven't been a huge Eddie Kingston, but this is the match that sold me on him. Uh, and then I, I got him when I watched this match, and uh, you know, this is I was, again. It's always there's, there's a line for me, and if you could pass the John Dean Ambrose Moxley line, right? I believe you. <laughs> that's what he did. So, he, so, so now Eddie Kingston's above the Moxley line. Yeah, yeah he's passed the Moxley, the Moxley line. line, and I and I love it. And I mean, it it would take a special wrestler to get you know. He almost it almost reminded not obviously everything's gonna beat Hogan Rock, but he got the crowd to decide really well. Like they're boo and punk, and like there's something because there's it goes to Cody Rhodes too. There's something about Kings in the ring that you believe in, and again, I think it's kind of the draw of Nick Gage, which I'm not a Nick Gage guy at all because it's too much. But like with Kings, the authenticity, yeah, there's something about his authenticity, and like him just like laughing and giving the double fingers. Like it was the closest I've had to kind of that Austin level swagger in a while. Like fuck it, I don't give a shit. I'm gonna go down swinging. Like that kind of you know Bret Hart made him bleed out, and that's the sort of thing you know the Kingston would go out in a shield. I almost yeah. kind of wanted that to be the ending. Him not giving up. I wanted him just to be fucking out cold. But I can't wait to see more from these two. Because, again, like, this is the first match where I'm, like, now thinking, like, to see him Punk go heel, though? Because, he, like, he's, he can play off the crowd, like, turning on him a bit. And Kingston, like, fucking, he had that crowd behind him. And, again, it was back and forth. But 
just when like Kingsman was on the top rope and like just flailing at him, like just flailing away at him with his fist, like the crowd was like fucking buying it. And it was like, <laughs> I had no thoughts about this match. I didn't care about it. And I watched this match. I'm like, I want fucking more. Yeah, well, if there was one person he could have been in the ring with that'd be able to adjust on the fly and really squeeze the maximum amount of reaction out of the fans, it's somebody like CM Punk. Oh, sorry, sorry. I thought you said Hulk Hogan. <laughs> I did not say Hulk Hogan. I didn't even think about Hulk Hogan. If you gave me, hey, name 100 wrestlers who would really elevate this match with Eddie Kingston. Uh, Hogan's nowhere close. I'm going to drop but, a leg, uh, brother. But uh, yeah, but uh, Shane Helms is on that list. Uh, so Albert is on that list. Lord uh, Tensai, get his name right. All of X Factor is on that list. Uh, Paris, what'd you think about uh, Punk uh, and his ever rotating list of ring gear? He just he can't find his identity yet. Uh, yeah, and wow. Eddie Kingston. Uh, you know, I love this match. I thought it was, uh, the build to this match was amazing, and and just the the way that these very very talented storytellers were able to very rapidly build something credible as a reason to why they would want to beat the shit out of each other um it, it was just it was really just creative and enlightening and i think the best thing that happened uh, in order to build this match was the eddie kingston article that came out early earlier this week that was one of the best things to build credibility for him um, that was an amazing article. I assume you guys have read it. Um, and it just really humanized him. It really is the definition story of an independent wrestler. And to honestly, I felt it really rewarding seeing him getting cheered in this match against one of the biggest and greatest wrestlers of all time. And to see him earning those, you know, back and forth cheers and to see him getting cheered uh, in some spots there. Uh, I bet he had the time of his life. And I'm really, uh, after reading more about his story, I'm really uh, pleased to see his success. And I, I will say, we've talked on the show before about how like everyone's doing the middle fingers, kind of loses its appeal. Everyone kind of saying the word shit. It's not, as, it isn't impactful. There's something about Eddie Kingston doing the fucking whack-off gesture that was so authentic. And as long as everyone doesn't do that, there's something about it that's so like, that's fucking him. He doesn't give a shit that like really, that kind of sells you. And I'm like, all right, this is, again, it's like no different that cross job. It was very mature, but it was fun. And I do want to say as a secondary follow-up, when mm when uh, uh sorry uh, cm punk's got you with the headlock and throwing knees like he's drawing on his mma experience i'm like don't talk about the mma experience <laughs> like, yeah he had a bad run how was that experience <laughs> for him his mma experience was it a positive one or the other thing <laughs> i just remember bowman watching those so excitedly then cm punk getting beat up and like you see who knows, like, nothing, he knows nothing about <laughs> mma going you know what? He is. A, he was the longest reigning champion of the modern era. He's going to so, take all down. I think he's got him. He's going to come out to cult of personality. He's going to feed off of the crowd and feed off the energy. I think he's going to shock some people. I think he might win this fight, said a complete idiot. <laughs> but yes, I yeah, did. So, I, a fantastic match. I loved it. So you want to see these folks continue on from here uh, working with each other, yeah? That was the yeah, first I think that this, sorry, uh, this is the first uh, time that I felt that out of a CM Punk match in AEW where I feel like we could have some further long-term storytelling here. We could come back a year from now and have them never really cross paths uh, in the last year and it still have meaning and it still, still be a good match. And it keeps building up CM Punk for his eventual showdown with Hook, which we all can't wait. To, uh, <laughs> Any we day all, can't, Any we day all can't wait to see. But why you want to see this program continue, right? You want more. 
No, hundred percent. Just like Paris said, like this is the first time that I, this is the first meaty kind of matchup that Punk's had where you want to see where it goes. It doesn't feel like because when he's fighting these new guys, we know what's going on. He's trying to elevate young guys, and it's very it's not contrived, but you're like you know what's happening. Whereas this, yeah. I'm kind of getting caught up in the storyline of like, wondering where it's going to go, and that's that's a different feeling. And I think the thing I love most about this and the build, and I guess the whole Punk uh, ethos right now is the fact that it's kind of inside, but not super kayfabe breaking. The fact that he's here, he wants to work with like the young talents and stuff like that. Or that back, you know, in Ring of Honor, back in the indies, he was a veteran and Kingston was just kind of breaking in and he like treated him a bit poorly because Kingston didn't like live up to his potential in his eyes. Nothing about that is Vince Russo like, oh, you you wouldn't do the job for me, brother. Like you wouldn't lay down for me in the ring. Like nothing about it is that. So it's real without breaking kayfabe, which I think is a really delicate line to walk but both these guys did it so so well and that's i think what i appreciate most about the uh the program uh we talked about inner circle and american top team already let's go back to it let's (laughs) Let's go back to it because i didn't get my thoughts on on men of the year specifically because i'm a big fan of men of the year uh no we're going right to the main event hangman adam page fulfilling two and a bit years of storytelling and beating Kenny Omega for the AEW championship. I know we got tons of thoughts on this. Why it's kick us off. Um, I think we talked about it all along, like who's going to beat Omega, you know, Dan O'Brien or Brian, Brian Danielson was kind of the guy that was like, Oh, maybe he'll do it. But then Hangman page is like, they're kind of company guy that should be a star making moment. And I, you know, watching him come into the match and the energy he had, it was that moment, you know, that's the right choice. Like, this is the guy you kind of make the next star. I, I get it now. Like, the crowd is fucking behind him. Um, but the match itself, like, the storytelling was fantastic. But the match itself, it like, hit like, uh, again, I'm complaining, but about the fact they set the bar so high. So it was like a four-star to five-star match for me. I don't think, again, Omega's hurt, as we've heard. I think he's got, like, a shoulder injury. He's doing Two shoulder injuries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He can barely do anything. I'm glad they protected the, the, the one who angel. I love that. I'm glad. I thought maybe he'd be the guy to kick out of it. But I actually like the fact they didn't. They could say that for, you don't need to give him everything, right? Like, say that for someone yeah. else down the line. Yeah. That's great. Love that. But one, I don't fucking like the crowd chanting cowboy shit. Fucking relax with that, god damn it. It just loses its edge to me. Cowboy shit. Oh. Cowboy shit. Like, Jesus you are Christ. You are not going to like the uh, Hangman Page press release from today yeah. if you haven't seen it already. I fucking can't stand it. It's just, that's too hokey for me, man. Like, again, I'm, I just started watching Yellowstone, so I get the cowboy feel. I'm, I'm there with you, but fucking, if, I'm, if on Yellowstone, someone started chanting at Kevin Coster, cowboy shit. <laughs> I'm like, what are we well, doing? Kevin Costner's on that show? Yeah. Oh, well, now I'm interested. He <laughs> was in draft shit. day. He was in draft day. Uh, yeah, so why? So you will not be observing National Cowboy <laughs> Shit Day on Wednesday, it's safe to assume? That's uh, it's a little too hokey for me. Again, that's always kind of been hanging. Like, I talked before, I kind of wanted, like we talked about the fucking Ghostbuster suit. Like I, I wanted more of the Steve Austin vibe, but like he kind of has a bit of that vibe to him. So I get it. So it's not, he's not fully my guy, but I get that it sells. The ending of the match, I didn't like how that was the win. I don't like the fact it was like, it was slow. I don't like the fact they leaned in too hard to the fucking Matt Jackson little nod. Like it was, that was too soap opera for me. Like the story makes sense on paper, makes sense. But it slowed down the end of the match and didn't feel as impactful. Like we all knew the end was coming, which again, a lot of people too it was, but like it didn't land as like cool of a moment as it should have been for me because it was just very slow. Yeah, I, I have one question about the finish of the match. It's like, Okay, so you see the one guy get knocked out, right? The one referee get knocked out. Why not send Aubrey out there immediately? I'm just throwing it out there. Like, he got she was probably she probably pretty hard. She was eating she in the buffet in the back. She's, yeah, she's 
talking about the AEW video game and the, the mobile game and stuff. Like, Aubrey Edwards, she does a lot. So she's busy. Okay. So she gets to be sitting behind the curtain waiting for a potential ref bump, right? So well, and it's good. because she's substitutes, I'm just saying. Well, as yeah. soon as, like, he got the visual pin, everyone was like, oh, no. Uh, but thankfully, they didn't just do the visual pin and they gave him the, uh, the win uh, later on. I loved... Uh, the pre-match promo with him on the horse in the empty streets. I yeah. don't care. I, lo- I love that shit. I also love the tracking drone shot that showed the Dark Order excitedly running into the arena to watch the match. I think that was a really good touch, and they've done a good job. Not just, like, because Hangman Page hasn't been in the title scene for a long time, but they're not throwing away everything he's done up to this point now that they've got him in this program. And that's something that WWE does a lot where it's like whatever they've been doing for the past three months before they challenge Roman Reigns. Oh, it doesn't matter at all, which is whatever we're currently doing now. Yeah. And, and they've always preached this since the inception was that, you know, win loss records count and, and your record matters and everything about that. Continuity. Uh, yeah. It, it matters towards the success of, of you as a wrestler. And, and we kind of felt that with this match with this carried over. I I'm think I'm on the same page with Wyatt here overall. Um, I'm not a big cowboy aesthetic kind of guy. <laughs> and so, you know, uh, him and his bolo ties and his, his horseback riding and his cowboy shit. Yeah. I'm just going to um, delete my Evite to you guys for the uh, cowboy shit day uh, zoom party. I was going to throw on, uh, on Wednesday. So okay. yeah, never mind. you don't have okay. to come. You can, you can return that bolo tie. Did you keep the receipt or no? That's not cowboy shit. That's city folk shit to keep the receipt. Oh, sorry. Cowboy shit is I spit my chaw into it. I don't know. Uh, anyway, so I'm not a big Hanging Page guy, but what I am uh, respectful of is the storytelling here. And it certainly all paid off. And I I agree they leaned a bit heavy into it, but I liked the exchange with, with the yeah. Young Bucks. I kind of liked that uh, element of things. Um, yeah, and I thought it was overall it was a good match. I thought it was hard hitting. There there were some great spots in there. Um, and both those guys came out looking good. So I'm pleased with the match. I'm pleased with the result. I'm glad they're kind of keeping him affiliated with Dark Order. I think it elevates them to a certain extent, but I don't think he should be the leader of the Dark Order, nor no. has he ever been. But no, to keep no. that kind of friendship, so to speak, uh, in his back pocket when he, maybe he needs the support um it is a good way to 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 keep things moving yeah 100 percent agree and okay so now they're gonna be building to page versus danielson at some point soon do you maybe think like mjf should be put in a program with him first and they build to danielson as a bigger match what do you think there because now we have for the first time in a while a year face champion yeah, and that was kind of my uh, reason why I was considering that Paige wouldn't win this match as I because I expected Danielson to win. And building to Danielson and Paige, just, I'm not sure where that storyline can go. I'm sure they can make it work. They always do. And I'm sure those guys will put on a great match. Um, but I just don't see the natural storyline there. So inserting someone like MGF, maybe, maybe it's the right move there. All right, and then we did not see a debut from uh, from Bray Wyatt, Wyndham Rotunda. Uh, thankfully, I don't feel it really had any place, you know, on the show. People, it was rumored. I didn't want to see that happen at all. Uh, we did see a debut from a fellow from Ring of Honor who I've been a big fan of for a long time, uh, Jay Lethal. Uh, 
uh, showed up, announced that he is now with All Elite Wrestling, and he's going right into a program with Sammy Guevara for the TNT Championship. Uh, Wyatt, are you super initiated with Jay Lithville? Do you know a lot about him? Yeah, you've taught me a lot about him, and I, I like the fact that, you know, He's jumping right into one of the four pillows of uh, AEW, so that's <laughs> that's that's great to, to see. So, so soft. He's so soft. Uh, so yeah, I, I think that's another good ad. You know, I'm always going to worry about. I always worry about how, uh, the people they're adding and like how do they add all these people in plus Cody Rhodes. That's my thought. So like, how do they add people with Cody Rhodes? <laughs> well, we need space. Where's Cody? Yeah, where's Cody? Cody? Where's Cody right now? And if <laughs> Cody's not on screen, people should be asking, "Where's Cody?" <laughs> Like I'm just kind of worried we're gonna get a bunch of three mat three on three matches or like a bunch of like multi man matches to kind of make everyone fit and again there's enough room for a lot of matches on the card but I I you know when watching a wrestling match the one v one matches are always gonna be my favorite and so like at the end of this pay per view like when I walked away from it like I thought going into it okay Hangman Page this is gonna be his star making moment for me and I didn't walk away sold yet like, I'm still not sold on him as being yeah. like an all sort of star and weirdly enough I walked away from going Kingston is got something and I'm more I'm not saying he might be a top star. But I'm more intrigued to see what Kingston's going to do next than I am Hangman Page. So to me, that tells me that Kingston delivered to me in a way that Page didn't. And overall, the guy I want to see what they're doing next, honestly, is still fucking Adam Cole, man. There's just like, it's a, he reads the crowd. He fucking just does something about him that like, it's, everyone, I hate it when people say Shawn Michaels, but he has an ability to kind of fucking just kind of read the crowd and work with him. And like, I'm not the biggest fan of him kind of doing like the big chance and kind of being heel, good, heel, good. But I do kind of want to see like where he's going to go next. I'm sure it's going to be involved with Omega and the elite and all that jazz, but that's the guy that down the line, like not now, but like a year and a half from now, like I want to see him with the fucking belt. And again, there's tons of combinations of opponents and programs you can do with Adam Cole. I mean, you know, Kenny Omega, obviously injured. Maybe you need to write him off TV for a bit. Maybe there's a bit of a coup on Wednesday's dynamite. Uh, who knows? We saw Bobby fish, somewhat half a line with Adam Cole based on history uh, last week in AEW. We know that most likely Kyle O'Reilly might be inbound and Kevin Steen might be inbound as well. So tons and tons of possibilities. Now, have you watched the, the heels TV show with uh, not yet? Okay. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say is that for hangman page, won't ruin anything to me. He's a spade. So if anyone's watched that show to me, he's a spade. <laughs> Somewhere a lot of people. I was like, yeah, yeah. Oh my god, that's what it was. It was driving me nuts. I couldn't remember. Oh, thank you so much. He's totally a spade. You're welcome, everyone. All right, the DiCaprio meme pointing at the TV. Yeah. Oh my god, I get that reference. Snap a point. Snap a point. And guys, also, so you know, I know full gear. Maybe it was a bit up and down for you guys, but it's one of two wrestling pay-per-views we'll have on consecutive weekends. Uh, Survivor Series is six uh, days away. Uh, Who's excited? It. It's the one brand, time the of year for where, brand supremacy. Yes. Yeah, it's the one time of year where they cross brands. So you never is, see them cross brands otherwise. Not once. Is it going to be the red shirt team or the blue shirt team or the big superstars who wear the half shirts with whatever their actual stable shirt is? Will anybody care at all? Tune in Sunday to find out. Oh, my God. They just made another change on Raw tonight, I saw. So uh, Rey Mysterio got battered, and he has now been replaced on Team Raw with Austin Theory, uh, which is great because now not everybody who's on Team Raw was on SmackDown a month ago. <laughs> One of them was on NXT. <laughs> so that's good. Yeah, Did there I you see go. see somewhere that Von Wagner got snuck in there somehow, too? Yeah, I think or they called up... They called up Von Wagner uh, at some point. Uh, they got stuff going on with Roman Reigns and uh, Xavier Woods, which is building towards Roman Reigns versus 
Biggie Langston champion v champion, which is the probably the only match I'm actually like looking forward to. Uh, yeah, uh, Wyatt, do you give any shits at all? Any <laughs> nugget, any Owen Hart nugget of shit about this Survivor Series pay per view coming up in six days? Do you have anywhere in you? Do you care? Now that's Corey Basso because it's signed a special guest referee. Uh, I just don't care in this fucking show. <laughs> it just it doesn't matter because like we sit here talking again. It's it's hard not to be considered like oh A W marks. Well, like it's because A W actually has storytelling that we can talk about, can discuss the plot lines for, can discuss the origin stories for, and it all makes sense. WWE, like I don't even know what the fuck happened last week. It changes week to week. Nothing matters. So like getting too involved in it doesn't really. Why? Who cares? The the fucking matchups of Raw versus SmackDown don't matter. Like none of it actually matters. And they've been training us for years, telling us it doesn't matter. And now that we have another organization that tells us, hey, it actually does kind of matter. Like, I just find it so hard to, to keep up with it. Xavier Woods uh, had a weird um, sort of selfie video camera promo he did while he was roller skating. Uh, and he said that what he would like to see done is that the winning team for the Survivor Series 4v4 or whatever, um, the winning team has a battle royal for or a, a series of matches for spots 26 through 30 in the Royal Rumble. And the losing team has a series of matches for spots one through four, one through five in the Rumble, just to add any sort of stakes. You also had Becky Lynch come out recently and say that, yeah, the whole concept of Survivor Series for her is just kind of meh because she'd like to see some actual stakes involved. I mean, you know, I think some of the best Survivor Series multi-man matches of the last maybe, you know, 20 years or so. And the most of them involve like, you know, stipulations like, OK, well, the, the winning brand survives with WWF versus w, the Alliance. Or was it Team Austin or Team Raw? Like they won. So all of them got to be general manager for a week or you had an Austin Team Austin versus a Team Bischoff thing where I forget what the stipulation was there. But. Anytime it's actually mattered, they've had some additional stipulations, but the majority of the time, nobody gives a shit because it's like, okay, cool. The next Monday is still just a Monday. Yeah, I love that Royal Rumble idea. That's that's a great idea. And uh, yeah, my only issue with that is that that would have to involve some long-term booking from WWE that I don't like. They, they can't even have that much foresight to be like, oh, that's only two months from now. They'll be like, oh, no. So much could change in two months. There's no way we can have that person be number 30, but there's no way we can have that person be number one. Like there's no way we could buck ourselves into a corner like that. So I think that's their hesitancy of doing something interesting like that. Yeah. Why, I mean, what do you, what do you think yeah. of that kind of idea to like, you know, that specific idea that Xavier Woods has? I mean, it's all good, but there's always been plenty of ideas over the years to kind of make WWE have more stakes or have more continuity and they just never do it. No, I think all three of us in our head get us here. Like Vince being like, no pal, that's shit. Like you just feel like shaking it off. Like, no, why do that? And end of the day, they're looking for what sells merch, what sells their stakeholders. And, you know, I don't think they're convinced that good storytelling does that. So for whatever reason. So for them, it's, Maybe, you know, whoever wins the match gets a fucking movie contract. That might work for them. That's kind of more of their thing, right? <laughs> like, there you go. Like, I don't know what's going to take, but like, they just don't, belts don't, like, how, I don't know. It's like, how many years have we seen there be where like, we're just begging them to make the belts matter? Like, that's, you know, like, it's, it's, it's just. Yeah. I think I saw a stat where like Nakamura has had the title since, I think like August or something even farther, like before that. And he's only defended it like three times since then. Like, how many times and, has an IC champion come along saying, like, I'm going to make this belt matter like it used to in the oh, Razor days? Shit, I think I just remembered. I think it was Survivor Series. There was a pay-per-view recently uh, where he just came out. He didn't wrestle anybody. 
He just came out. Boogs played the guitar. He fucking did his thing in the ring. And then they just cut to a commercial for fucking Snickers or something. And then they came back for a match. And I was like, are you kidding me? Not only is it the Intercontinental Champion, you're just having show pony out, wave to the people, blow them kisses, and then leave. But it's Nakamura that you're doing that with, who we all know, like... I, I feel like some point this week or next week, I might just sit down and watch his debut match in NXT against Sami Zayn. What a great, great match that was. And man, how far that guy has fallen to the surprise of nobody because of the system. Yeah, I think they're they're specifically bad at their mid-card title holders. Like, like especially like in the, in the mid t- 2010s like with the u.s title and when ambrose had it and stuff like that oh defended it like twice in a year (laughs) yeah uh they did they just can't find a way they just put that belt those belts on people who they feel like should have a belt or should have they should elevate somehow or that they owe something to um and they just give them the belt and they don't do anything with them once they have it no no maybe the last time it was important was like the the john cena open challenge time like that was maybe the last time that the u.s belt made any difference to anybody and And you could uh, also you could also look at the people who have had it since then like you know uh kevin owens has run seth rollins has run like some like they've given it to big stars since then it always just kind of feels like this feels like a thing. Well, I can pretty much guarantee that next week's Wrestle Nation will not involve a deep dive, match by match, dissecting the storylines and performances for Survivor Series, like we talked about, uh, like we talked about with Full Gear. Paris, do you have any uh, push or bury for us? Uh, not this week. No, I don't think so. I did have something planned, but. Uh... But we're Shaking running it off. a no. bit long. So. <laughs> All right, he's calling up. All right. Well, you know <laughs> what? We will, speaking of Survivor Series, we will get into uh, this week in wrestling history because it's a special one that I've been looking forward to for a while, and I know why it has to. What we're going to do right here is go back, way back, back into time. One, two, three, four. All right, it is the anniversary of Survivor Series. Deadly Game! The Deadly Game tournament, which uh, solidified The Rock as the biggest heel in the world of professional wrestling. Uh, The One Night Championship Tournament. Uh, That sounds familiar. That sounds like a pretty awesome idea. Uh, The Two Night Championship Tournament, probably even better. Uh, Wyatt. You've long talked about how you love this era of rock, and this was the absolute like zenith for this guy. Uh, he had the crowd so far behind him, allied against Vince McMahon, maybe one of the most over baby faces you've ever seen at the time, and just threw it all away in one of the best master strokes of storytelling. I think this thing doesn't get enough credit. Uh, talk a bit about Deadly Game and The Rock for you. Yeah, it should be given credit as one of the, the greatest story uh, stories ever told. Just in terms of again, this is the Rock who it's uh, the older days when WWE knew kind of how to like let things settle a little bit. You got the Rock who's ready to be a big baby face. I remember him telling like you know Owen Hart and his group to stay in the back. I got I'm going to take care of this. He started to see him becoming his own man and kind of give that push. Like no man, Rock's going to take care of some shit. And after seeing him be like the Nation guy and being that like dastardly heel, and you're starting to get some heat behind him. Like yeah, I want like because you want to cheer this guy. He was very he was cool. 
You know, he was cool. Back when he used to talk in a deep voice, rock says like that before he got all high pitched and acty. Like it was way better in those days. And so, mm. you know, we're all ready to cheer him on. And that tournament going down, you're thinking Mick Foley's going to be like this, like he's trying to get McVince Man to love him. And, you know, you're sitting there and like, this is the rock's time to shine. And I was a big rock guy when he was a heel. And finally, I get to cheer him and see what he's going to do and hear this heat because you always want to see the big pops and see the reactions to him. And when he fucking turns heel, and we all love the people's elbow back then, he's like, now it turns to the corporate elbow, the corporate eyebrow. He starts telling people it's not single over the champ night. Adam Cole, watch that. And he's just getting in there and just getting <laughs> in people's face and like, just kind of like, again, right? Like, just being the, like, even his entire reign from how it started to how it ended. Cause even when he, when it ended, he then became an even bigger face when he started standing up to Shane McMahon and that stuff. Like, that was one of the, that is the best arc of his career. Uh, and just in terms of being a fan again, to like watch him be like mega heel, maybe a face now, mega, mega heel, now mega, mega, mega face. Like, you could not script a, a better process. And again, that's back in the old days when W used to tell stories properly. And like, I love that entire tournament. I love, I can watch it all day long. And it's this corporate rock, man, the deep voice fucking love yeah. it. I miss it. <laughs> and I was obsessed with the booking of the tournament from the rocks perspective, because it seemed like Vince McMahon was giving mankind who was his corporate, you know, select and guy, uh, the easiest route, right. Gives him Dwayne Gill in the first <laughs> round, I think. Yeah. And then he had like Al Snow and stuff. And you see the rock is like, okay, the rock, you've got to run the gamut through the corporation. You got to face uh big boss man first. And then big boss man gets distracted in a little small package and he loses. But then to find out boss man was in on it. Right. That was part of the plan. And then you've got uh, Rock versus Ken Shamrock in the second round. Those guys have a lot of history in the past like year or the so. Chair shot. And then <laughs> Boss Man. Oh, I know, which one? There are yeah. two deadly chair shots. <laughs> and then you've got Boss Man coming in, throwing the nightstick to Ken Shamrock to help him. The Rock intercepting it, bashing Shamrock and winning the match, which again, Boss man in on it, Shamrock not. So you could spit sh split Shamrock off and have him be a face. And then the only thing about the tourney that I actually really disliked is the um, repeat of the Montreal screw job yeah. finish. I would like to see it differently. It was a year later and you kind of knew sense it. It the time. Vince couldn't help himself. Yeah. They were going to rehash that and stuff. But uh, yeah, aside from that, the way The Rock was booked as this like beleaguered baby face who was overcoming these dastardly heels, but it was all like an inside job, but not for everybody. Masterstroke. Paris. Deadly game. I just love how you keep doing that. Just keep doing that. <laughs> um, yeah, this was, of course, the, the heyday of, of my, my childhood uh, watching all this go down and and in hindsight, all I can think about is how the WWE can't seem to pull that off uh, since then of the big face becoming the big heel and still being just as successful and then going back to face and back to heel. And, and uh, you know, when you think about wrestlers like John Cena and for the longest, longest time, Roman Reigns, and then now they turn Roman Reigns heel and he's hotter than he's ever been. And it only took them a decade roughly like i don't even know how long it was but roman reigns is doing some of the best work of his career and if they had just pulled that trigger when it made more sense and 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 committed to it earlier what 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 uh what benefits they could have could have reaped from that and they chose not to so because they thought they couldn't pull it off and they could yeah, and because, sorry, you, know, like, you get it you get it with john cena Right. You get yeah. it. Like, oh, the make a wish thing. He's got to stay the baby face and stuff. So looking back in hindsight, the fact they never turned Cena heel once they were way into the woods with him as a face like that makes sense that they can never turn him. Sure. But you can't turn Roman Reigns into like John Cena as much as they tried. And then eventually, like you said, they turn him heel and 
He's brilliant. He's that person that we had been like reading about and hearing about from other wrestlers in the company for years. No, Roman's the, he's the absolute best in the business. This guy is something special. And now we're seeing it. Yeah. And, and like, honestly, when I was 13, I guess, whenever this went down, I was a bit of a mark, you know, as I, I still am a little bit, but I remember having a friend who probably similar to, to Wyatt, uh, who the rock was their favorite wrestler when he was a face. And then he turned heel and the rock was still their favorite wrestler. And it made no difference. Mm -hmm. And there was probably tons of kids out there who felt that way. And tons of people who felt that way. And it didn't necessarily change their perspectives on who this guy was as an entertainer and as a talent. And he had an incredible run uh, at that time. Like you say, just the simple things of this is no longer the people's elbow. It's the corporate elbow. (laughs) Like those, those simple, simple maneuvers to just make the crowd turn against you so quickly and so efficiently and so effectively. It was, it was an impressive time and an impressive run. Sure was November 15th, 1998 survivor series. All right. Well, that about wraps up uh, this episode of wrestle nation. Uh, why you got anything else to say on our way out the door here? No, I'm just thinking about good old days of rock and that deep, heavy voice. And <laughs> just listlessly, just, just uh, looking up into the sky, just, you know, yeah. Dreaming about the heyday of uh, of deep voice rock. Well, there's like the worst era of rock is when he first started to act and he thought he was an actor. So he started to like rip promos like, oh, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, give me the like fucking old rock. What is he doing? Why? I think I have it. I think I've cracked this. What is it? Your preferred rock is do you smell what the rock is cooking to yeah. start the music? Not if you smell. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's it. That's yeah. the that's the Simpsons season that's 14 the moment right there. Yeah. I need to That's probably you. way off of the Simpsons. You but yeah, smell what like, the rock is cooking. You smell what the, yeah. That, that gets you excited, but yeah. not the yelling. Yeah, it's no. too high. The fucking little tongue. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Paris, anything to leave us with this week? Uh, no, no. I just uh, want to go back and, and thank our guest, uh, you know, with the way that Wyatt treated him. I'm not sure that we'll have future guests. I, job to do. It's two guests in a row that you've shown immense disrespect to so i can't imagine any further new talent is going to sign on here to 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 be on the show i can't imagine we're going to get uh christian bale i know you had him on uh your other podcast but uh, yeah but i don't think he's gonna do wrestle nation with the way you're treating guests here they can't stand the heat then get out of the kitchen you know i'm sorry i'm sorry i learned from barbara walters how to conduct a proper interview so She's your inspiration. Barbara she's Walters. your she's your idol. Is she? She's yeah. your mentor, Barbara Walters. She knows how to grill people. I'm not ashamed. All right. Well, that closes the book on another episode of NEW Wrestle Nation. You can follow us on Twitter at NEW Wrestle Pod, and be sure to also follow the Nation Extreme Wrestling account at NEW Wrestling Inc. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and Spotify. If you're on iTunes, leave a rating and leave a review. That's all for this week. Again, special thanks for Corey Basso for coming on. Uh, for the stanchion, why aren't the architect Mike Paris? I'm Jay Bowman, and we'll see you next week on Wrestle Nation. <laughs>